0: time it's time to hit the ice penguin fans chris mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your penguin only on fifth avenue face off welcome back in to another edition of fifth avenue Faceoff. off hey how are you i'm chris mack if you're watching this on the 93.7 the fan youtube page you're seeing me wave and smile at you right now They say you should always smile because people can hear it even if they can't see your face. So I'm smiling right now. For those of you listening, you can hear my smile, can't you? Uh, However you're getting it, we prefer you to subscribe and or follow the podcast and the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. Uh, The YouTube page, naturally, you know. There's that little bell down below, somewhere below my finger where I'm pointing right now. uh, There's a little bell. It's a notification bell. You tap on that, you'll be notified as soon as new videos are posted to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, including episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. If you cannot do with this face in front of you, by all means, get the audio version. However you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anything else, including and this is our preference, your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and follow the podcast there. By all means, feedback, whether it's on the YouTube page or in the app, however you choose to do it, uh, we welcome feedback because that tells us if what we're doing is working or not, and if you like it, great review as well. And like I said, be sure to download And subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. All the housekeeping out of the way. Let's talk about what we saw this weekend from the Pens. Uh, Wins over Washington and Calgary. The Flames game especially. Well, let's, let's start by saying this. The Capitals game, I think, was the more complete effort. First period and a half, two periods against Calgary were... And that noise means not as good as the third period, which was... That noise means good. Five goals in the third period uh, from the Penguins against the Calgary Flames, including an empty netter that really put things away. But the more complete effort, I thought anyway, and for those of you that were able to view it, which we'll get to in a couple minutes as well, was in Washington against the Capitals. And yes, we will get to the ability to view some of these games as well as what's on the way starting Wednesday night against the Red Wings in Detroit. And a couple specific items from what we saw this weekend. But overall, this weekend, that was nice. That was the kind of explosive offensive performance we've become accustomed to, to be quite honest, from the Pittsburgh Penguins over the last decade and a half, almost two decades now. You never know when they may decide to sleepwalk through 40 minutes and then show up in a big way in the last 20 minutes, as they did against Calgary. Scoring five goals, like I said, in the third period. And what I also liked was the fact that Evgeny Malkin looks like the kind of Evgeny Malkin that takes this team from being pretty good, you know, fighting for a playoff spot, to great, like battling for the division. And again, we're only three games in, and it's very early. But these are the most productive first three games of a season Evgeny Malkin has ever had two goals, four assists through his first three games, including that four point night Friday night down in DC. That's if you get that from Malkin and look, two points a night is not going to continue to be the pace for Evgeny Malkin. But if you just get the level of play we've gotten from him, it doesn't have to always produce goals and assists. But if you just get the 200 foot galloping ghost of Evgeny Malkin most nights, that is huge for the level of energy on the ice, even if it doesn't it doesn't get matched by the level of productivity. And I think we're seeing already an almost telekinetic connection between he and Riley Smith. Uh, Riley Smith has come out of the gate super hot as well. That second line, playing as they are, gives the first line the ability to find their groove. And Jake Gensel, no preseason action, very little preseason action, uh, is going to take some time probably, although he looks good as well through these first three games, especially the last two over the weekend. And Brian Rust, obviously we mentioned, uh, a multi-goal game Saturday against the Flames it gives the first line a chance to perhaps like i said take a breath and find themselves now i know some people are going to say i saw rob rice rob rossi pardon me write it over the weekend of the athletic and he wrote some really good stuff over the weekend um about the post game anthem that this team has taken to playing to teams love to have that like i it really became a tradition over what like the last 10 or 15 years i remember the 2012 philadelphia flyers in particular and this drove me nuts i don't know if you remember this or not because it was a part of the hbo series that followed the flyers that year in 2012 is after every win they would play knock knock by mac miller in their locker room and it always got under my skin that they were playing a pittsburgh guy in the Philly locker room after the Flyers won. But anyway, that was their anthem that year, the Philadelphia Flyers. They would win. Somebody would come in, turn on the boombox. Sorry, turn on the music, the speakers. A boombox, kids, for those of you under the age of 30, is a large radio. Sorry, a radio, kids, for those of you under the age of 25, is an instrument you use to emit Already pre-recorded music and sounds and spoken word. No, seriously, uh, they would play Mac Miller "Knock Knock" after every win. The Flyers in 2012, the Penguins this year, and other teams have had songs throughout the years. It's a big deal with the St. Louis Blues a couple years ago. Remember when they won the Cup? Um, that they would play "Gloria, Gloria." I think of of an Eighty song, and I can't sing any more than that. A, because I'm not a good singer, and B, because YouTube and Facebook will probably flag the video. Anyway, point remains the same. Teams like to have a fun or goofy song that they play after wins. And so the Penguins have taken to it this year to play. I touch myself by the vinyls. Uh, Another great late eighties, early nineties, specifically early nineties song. I think 1990 is when it came out. When I think about you, I touch myself again. Can't sing any more than that because, A, nobody wants to hear me sing more than that, and B, the the thing will get flagged uh, by social media and YouTube. And then we won't be able to share it, and you won't hear any of what I'm saying right now anyway. Uh, you may remember it from Austin Powers. Remember the fembots in Austin Powers that had the guns in their boobies? And they would, hold on, let me get up in the camera frame for those of you on YouTube so you can see it. They had the little guns in their boobies. And they would go like, when I think about you, bang, 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 bang. Dr. Evil had the FemBots made uh, to try and steal Austin Powers' mojo. Anyway, the Penguins are playing I Touch Myself by Divinals uh, after wins. And Rob did a nice little write-up as part of a notes column this weekend about that. Where was I going with this? Oh, Rob Rossi writing this weekend that the depth lines still have to do more. They have to produce some offense. Yes, I want to see these depth lines, in particular the fourth line with Noel Achari, Matt Nieto, and Jeff Carter. I want to see them produce offense. I think it's coming. Maybe not from Jeff Carter specifically, but I really like the way Nieto has looked throughout the preseason and into the first couple of games. Achari as well. I thought he had really good hop in the opener, in fact, against the Blackhawks, even if it didn't end up turning out all right. Um, I think that line is going to be somewhat offensively productive from time to time, but I'll be honest, I I don't need it right away. And we'll get into why they have to maximize the number of points they stack early on against this schedule that they have early on in the month of October, first week or so of November. And that would fly directly in the face of my contention that I don't need to see offensive production from the fourth line early on, but bear with me. All I need to see... From the depth lines early on is maintain, hold, serve, which they have done. They have not been giving up more chances than they have generated themselves. Play a 50 50 game, the depth lines, and I will take the offense from the top two lines. Now, that's now in October and early November. When we get to February, March, April, yeah, I'm going to need more offense generated from the depth lines. And and it's not going to come consistently. Like, no, I shouldn't say no. Very few third and fourth lines are going to dominate at even strength. They're just not because a lot of them are starting in their own defensive zone, right? Especially this fourth line for the Penguins has started in their own zone a ton and so at the very least you've got to start behind the eight ball so to speak and it's tough you're you're it's uphill sledding to generate offense but if you're at the very least not allowing the opposition to generate more offense than you are give me I'll take 50-50 all day from the third and fourth lines, until we get to a point where later in the year, we're starting to find some offensive production. Because what we talked about last year, and even the year before that, the final couple seasons, the Hextall era, in particular, the year they missed the playoffs, was, these depth lines are terrible. They're not generating any offense. Well, not only were they not generating offense, the third and fourth lines, the last year, year and a half, they were getting absolutely squashed at even strength. I mean, other teams were just burying them as far as productivity goes, chance generation. And so just get me back to 50-50 at first, okay? Just get me back to neutral on the depth lines, and then we'll work it out from there. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and again, I'll, I'll cite the stuff that Rob Rossi wrote for The Athletic this weekend, was that Evgeny Malkin pointed out to Rob at one point we only needed one more win last year to get in the playoffs. One more win. That's it. Just one more win. And when you look at the numbers they put up behind their backup goaltender, particularly wins and losses, is one more loss than win behind Casey DeSmith. If you look at those numbers. And if they get just one more win, behind, for example, their backup goaltender than they did last year, and they're at 500 as opposed to under 500 with their backup goaltender, then guess what? All of a sudden, we're talking about a team that, at least based on last year's standings and results, would be in the playoffs. And that's not asking much. Again, last year, the Penguins 15, 16, and 4 in games that Tristan Jari didn't start. That's a .486 points percentage. That's not good enough. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. They're going to have to do more. And maybe Nedeljkovic, Alex Nedeljkovic, Nive- whose name I'm unfortunately going, I don't know why. I said, man, I grew up in Pittsburgh for the bulk of my life. For, <vive valeur> <recovery> sorry, trying to do math in my head. That's the noise I make. That's the the noise the adding machine in my head makes. <gasps> uh, for, I want to say... 35 or 36 of the first 44 years of my life I've lived in Pittsburgh I should be able to say Nadelkovic, Uh, without struggling anyway if their backup goaltender Alex Nadelkovich, can play as well as he did Saturday night against the Flames in the second half of a back-to-back and they can get just at least just, just just one more one more win behind your backup goaltender than you had last year. Just get what maybe two, okay? Well, we'll get greedy. We'll ask for two. Get me one game over five hundred in the games that Tristan Jari doesn't play. Then that's enough, I think. That's the bare minimum to be a playoff team. I thought Nedeljkovic played well on Saturday night, especially in those first two periods. When the Penguins weren't quite ready to go immediately at the drop of the puck. And that's the kind of goaltending. Just again, hold serve. That's the thing that I think has been lost. A lot of us have lost sight of is that the Penguins in a lot of spots just simply need to hold serve. Even now, with Crosby and Malkin and Letang at the advanced ages they're at. All they need to do is hold serve outside of the top two lines and really the top two defensive pairings, hold, surf. play 50, 50 hockey. And the stars will do enough that you win a- enough outside of that, whether it be puck battles, whether it be periods of games, whether it be whole games, whether it be weeks or months that you're in a spot to qualify for the playoffs. Last year, not only were the Stars not getting help from the depth lines or the backup goaltending, they were being hurt, actively hurt by those spots on the roster. Just have the third and fourth line and the third defensive pairing and the backup goaltender give me 50-50 work. 500 work. And then let the Stars, the top two forward lines and the top two defensive pairings and the power play, do the rest of it. Because if we have what we had last year from those groups, plus Eric Carlson, yeah, that's a playoff team at the very least. Anyway, so Nedeljkovic, I think, if he plays... Let's let's say he plays 30 games. If Nedeljkovic goes, you know, let's say... That's the adding machine noise again in my head. Let's say he goes... 13, 12, and 5. I don't know. That's a lot of over. That's a lot of overtime losses and ties. No, not no ties, because we don't have ties. We have shootout losses too. Okay. Let's just say for giggles, 13, 12, and 5 in Alex Nadelkovich games or non-Tristan Jari games. Well, that right there is 31 points. That's getting us a third of the way to a playoff spot in a little more than a third of the games. Okay. So now we need the stars and the starting goaltender to pick up the rest of the slack. Can Tristan Jari in, sorry, adding machine noise in my head, 30 games to Nadelkovic means 52 for Jari, 52 games for Jari, get me 65 points. That's not asking a lot. It's not. That's barely better than 50% points percentage. The point I'm trying to make here, and you guys know if you've paid attention to me at all doing Fifth Avenue Faceoff or Fourth Down in the Steel City or actually on the radio, wherever, I like to use numbers sometimes to build the case for why we can or cannot see a team getting somewhere. I'm using the numbers here to tell you that if they need 95 points to make the playoffs, right, and you get 30 or 30. 30 to 32, right, from Nedeljkovic, and you get the other 63 from Jari, that's eminently doable if the depth guys, bottom two forward lines, bottom defensive pairing, are playing 50-50 hockey with the starting goaltender in the net and the top two forward lines doing what they've done the last year and a half, which is produce offense. I just think we get lost in the sauce sometimes. And we think that this team as a whole was much worse than it really was last year. Again, to bring it all the way back around to Evgeny Malkin's point, one more win, one more win last year. And they're in the playoffs. Now the goal, naturally, if you add Eric Carlson to the lineup and a better backup goaltender and turn over the most of the bottom two forward lines and add a, pretty damn good second pairing defenseman as well depending on what you consider ryan graves and where he's playing and who he's playing with anyway you add all that that's more than one win right this team should do more than just challenge for a playoff spot this team should win a series and from there to be quite honest from there on out i the rest will be a gravy i know i've, I've banged on the desk that they need to have one more good, deep run in the playoffs with the big three in order for me to feel satisfied that their legacy reached its fullest potential, I guess. Like, get me back to one more cup final, whether you win it or not, and I will be able to walk away and say, yeah, you know what? They went to five, and they won three of them. I'm good. I'm good. You do that in 20 years? that's wildly successful in my opinion in modern in a modern day capped league that is wildly successful to go to five championships in 20 years that's one every four and win three of them win the majority The, the only franchise in the last 25 years that's been more successful than that would be the belichick brady patriots And we're right there on the precipice of the Reed Mahomes Chiefs being that successful. Um, Next in line would probably be the Bregman-Altuve-Astros, right? Whether it was Hinch or Baker at the helm. Um, Point being, there's not a lot of teams that have had that— Sorry, Warriors. Warriors. Esteemed producer Greg Finley— if he had not already started to type golden state warriors into the chat box uh, would have uh, done it. Uh, so there you go. I mean, it's it's a less than a handful of teams that have had that level of success. That's all I'm asking. One more deep run that starts by getting back to the playoffs and winning series. And then chips fall where they may against a Carolina or a Jersey or a Toronto or whoever you may face in the second round, based on how things shake out in the regular season to get there though. And this is the last little point I wanted to make about where this team is at right now. And I know I've talked schedule with you already. I mentioned it in the first regular season episode after they lost that game to the Blackhawks, the schedule stacks up nicely for these Pittsburgh Penguins. It really does through the first five weeks of the season, Um, four or five, four and a half weeks of the season. First 11 games, it stacks up nicely. They had Chicago, they blew that opportunity. Washington, Calgary, Detroit, St. Louis. Like those first five games, you should get. I'm again adding machine noise in my head. That's not quite the same noise. There it is. Um I'm trying to do math and it's really not working. Sorry. Uh, you should get at least. Seven points out of those five games, at least. They've got four. Get me three more this week against Detroit and St. Louis. Now, Dallas and Colorado are both home games. So make of those what you will, but I'm not going to ask you to get anything in either one of those two games. Okay. And I'm going to turn the page instead to the end of that homestand at the end of the month against Ottawa and Anaheim, and then a trip out west that takes you to San Jose and Anaheim before you go to LA. I'm going to choose the break point as after the Ducks game on November 7th. That will put us officially 11 games into the season. In the first 11 games, this team needs to have 14 points. 14 points in the first 11 games. That's not asking too much when you look at the teams on the schedule. Because you're going to get me to seven through the first five games. And again, I then just chalk up Dallas and Colorado to be what they are. Ottawa, Anaheim, San Jose, and Anaheim again. All I'm asking from that is another seven points. Maybe that's too tall in order. Heck, get me five points from those then. Just get me 12 points in the first 11 games. Because 12 points in in the first 11 games, and you're going to play much stiffer competition. But 12 points through the first 11 games would get you a 90-point pace. That's, again, a baseline. Baseline. It's why I ask more for 14. 14 in the first 11 games is more what you need. That's more of a 104-point pace. That's challenging for the division. That's not just squeaking in as a wild card. Or hoping to squeak in as a wild card. 14 points in the first 11 games based on that opposition shouldn't be difficult because I, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't even have to get points in the Colorado and Dallas games. And you should still be able to do that because of the level of competition you're up against in the first 11 games. If they play like they did Friday and Saturday night, they will do that. They will be off to what will be one of the hotter starts they've had during the Crosby, Malkin, Letang era. And I think we'll all feel pretty good as the calendar flips into November, assuming you can watch the games. And this is the final thing I wanted to touch on. And I wanted to thank Dan Kingersky, who came on with me on Sunday morning on 93.7 The Fan to talk about this, as well as a bunch of other Penguin items. Uh, you can go download that, 93.7TheFan.com or inside your Odyssey app. Plug, plug, after you finish listening to this podcast. Uh, Dan brought up a great point in a column Saturday morning at Pittsburgh Hockey Now. And it's about ESPN's caretaking of the game, or lack thereof. There are two national media partners for the NHL right now in the U.S., ESPN and TNT. Wednesday night, you're going to see TNT's presentation, as the Pens visit the Red Wings in Detroit. And I have said it here in this space before. I have said it online, on social media. I will continue to say it. That is the best presentation of the NHL, what TNT is doing when you include the studio shows with the games. That is the best presentation we've had of the NHL since early 2000s. John Grass, Barry Melrose, Ray Ferraro on the NHL Tonight desk, and Gary Thorne and Bill Clement is the primary play-by-play team. Now, that level of hockey was not as good as this level of hockey, now you've got Paul Bissonette, you've got Liam McHugh, you've got Anson Carter, um, Henrik Lundqvist has stepped in really well with Rick Tockett going back to the coaching ranks, and occasionally you get a taste of Wayne Gretzky, which is eh, here nor there. Wayne's not firing off any spicy hot takes. Biz is the, the 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 centerpiece of that show, as far as I'm concerned. He does a great job. Liam McHugh does a really good job of handling all of it and quarterbacking what at times feels like, but I'm sure isn't a completely and totally spontaneous show. They've done such a good job, the people at Turner, as good a job with hockey, almost as good a job with hockey, because I don't think anything tops inside the NBA, almost as good a job with hockey as Turner does with basketball, with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and Shaquille O'Neal, and of course, Ernie Johnson leading the whole thing. All that is to say, as good a job as Turner has done with the NHL, publicizing it, making sure high profile games get their just due, making sure every game that's on their airwaves gets the kind of attention it deserves because it's about the game of hockey and hockey fans love for the game and not just their one specific team, but the game as a whole. It's a very provincial League, the NHL, and that people pay attention to their market and their team. And then once their team is out of it, a lot of times they're out of it until the next season starts. I think TNT and Turner have done everything they can to try and grow hockey fans from, oh, I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, or I'm a New York Islanders fan, or I'm a San Jose Sharks fan. How many of those are really around these days? Anyway, into I'm a hockey fan, right? ESPN, they have not done that. And part of the problem is putting games on stream only, as Dan Kongurski wrote about for Pittsburgh Hockey Now this weekend. This is not an argument that streaming is not important. In the world of, of cord cutting, absolutely. Streaming is the primary way a lot of people get their games. But here's the problem. You're not growing the audience nearly as much as you would If you allowed the markets involved in said game. So, for example, Friday night, that's the Caps home opener. And unless you had ESPN Plus or Hulu, you couldn't watch it. The most diehard Capitals fans in the world, and I understand they're trying to force people to subscribe to their stuff in order to get what they want. But unless you're the most diehard Capitals fan in the world and you went out and purchased an ESPN Plus, or Hulu or Disney Plus subscription, you could not access your team's home opener. Is that is that good for the game? Like one of the best rivalries in hockey over the last 20 years, nay, 40 years, is Penn's Caps. Think back to the battles those teams had late 80s, early 90s. And then again, when Crosby and Ovechkin came into the league. You're not going to put that in position to at least be on in the home markets of those two teams for anybody that doesn't have ESPN Plus or Hulu or Disney Plus. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for growing the game. It doesn't. And I just I don't like their presentation as much either, to be quite honest. Steve Levy's a great guy. Barry Melrose, who recently retired. Great guy, Chris Chelios, and who else do they have on there? PK, PK tries to be entertaining. I'll give him that. Messier, they, they try, but they're just not as entertaining as the Turner guys. And I don't think it does anything, even when games are on... ESPN proper, ESPN cable, to help grow the game the way I think a lot of us thought it would. Like, we thought when ESPN bought back into the NHL broadcast rights, it would mean more visibility. It feels like less visibility, particularly when people in Pittsburgh and Washington who don't have ESPN Plus or Hulu can't even find their team's game on a Friday night in October. That doesn't seem right. Anyway, Wednesday night, like I said, against the Red Wings, a stretch where the Penguins should continue to stack points and you should enjoy the game. Given that again, the presentation is really nice. I I, I love what Turner does. Evgeny Malkin, by the way, pass this along before I sign off this episode of fifth Avenue faceoff named the league's third star of the first week of the season, which makes you wonder what's a guy got to do to get first star. Oh, back to back hat tricks to start the season. Austin Matthews never mind. Um, but yeah, Penn's got to continue to stack points, continue to get at least 50, 50 or better work from their depth lines and, and third pairing and backup goaltender. And I think we, we will look up come say November 7th or so, Let me bust out the schedule again. We will look up come November 8th, sorry, after that second Ducks game, the one that's on the road in Anaheim, as they head to LA or across LA, I should say, to face the Kings and feel pretty good about where they're at. Because the stretch immediately following these first 11 games, the next 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games, it pushes through the rest of November. Kings, Sabres, Jackets, Devils, Hurricanes, Golden Knights, Rangers, Sabres, Leafs, Preds, Lightning. Yikes. Yikes. You better stack points in the first 11 because the second 11, not so easy. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Thanks again for watching on YouTube. Uh, If you've been watching, much appreciated to you. Make sure to tap that little notification bell. It'll let you know as soon as new episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff and any other video content are posted to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. And, of course, if you're listening inside your Odyssey app or however you get your podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. Let us know what you think. If you have not already subscribed and or followed the podcast and start downloading it whenever new episodes are available, do that as well. Why don't you? We appreciate it. Uh, Start this journey on the 2023-2024 NHL season, Pittsburgh Penguins season with us bright and early so that you don't feel like you have to catch up come the end of Steelers season or whatever else has captured your attention in October. And we'll do it again. Let's see. How about Wednesday night? Sound good? Wednesday night, we'll do a post-game edition after the Pens play the Red Wings. That'll be available for you Thursday morning right here wherever you get your current editions of 5th Avenue Faceoff